Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. We are in part four of a series called Bad Blood. If you have not been here for the last last three weeks, it's very important. Go watch online and go get a free copy of last week's CD. If you missed it, you can go download the podcast, all that good stuff. And so this series has been so good. How many of you have ever had, um, uh, let's, how, how do I put this, ever had a troublesome relationship with another person? Yeah, anybody ever? If you have not, then I'd like to talk to you because I think you are Jesus maybe or something. I don't know who you are. Uh, even Jesus had problems with his relationship. So anyway, if, if you're alive, and you've been on planet earth for any length of time and you haven't been living in a cave somewhere, you have had some type of dysfunctional relationship, weird friend, weird neighbor, weird family member. You have run into what we've been calling over the last few weeks. You've been, you've been in some bad blood. Because, you know, we used to have mad love, but now we got bad blood. And that's what's tough is when you used to have mad love, when like you used to like, I love that dude, or I love, man, that girl was so cool. I, you know, everything used to be so great and we had mad love, but then it turned to... Then it turned to bad blood. And how do you deal with bad blood? Because I'm telling you what, bad blood is always right around the corner in any relationship. Because really, sometimes relationships can be going so well for so long. And then it just takes one slip up, one bad comment, one disaster, one forgetful moment. You name it. And all of a sudden, what was mad love turns into bad Blood, And we've been trying to figure out what do you do when you've got bad blood? And the Bible says, this has been our kind of key verse over the last few weeks, is this, is that, is that Paul said, if it is possible, meaning sometimes it's not always possible, but if it is possible, and as far as it depends on you, meaning you've got responsibility in this, I want you to live at peace with everyone. Meaning like, I want you to think of yourself, like if you're a Christ follower, you need to see yourself as like a peace seeker and a peacemaker. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, blessed are the peace, everybody say maker. maker. Meaning like, because some of y'all are good peacekeepers and you do that just by staying out of the fray, you stay quiet, you don't say anything, you don't ruffle any feathers, you are super sweet, I am not like you, I'm so sorry, I wish I were more like you. You're a great peacekeeper. But sometimes Jesus said, you need to go beyond that and become a peace." maker and there's a little bit of difference there and so what we said was is that really if you want to become a peacemaker and really pursue peace is that the first thing you have to do in any relationship is kind of take that long walk of empathy you've got to go see it from their viewpoint their vantage point understand it feel like they felt it try to figure out where they were coming from because it's just going to help it's not going to solve everything and sometimes it might not solve much of anything but it'll help you and if you do that then eventually what's going to happen is this you're going to get to that next stage where you figure out when you've been wronged Whenever somebody has, has basically wronged you, you're going to forgive them. But whenever you've wronged somebody, what do you need to do? Repent. As a matter of fact, last week, that's all we talked about, is that when somebody is out there in the world that you have hurt, you've said something to, you have wronged in some way, then what do you need to go do to them? As a matter of fact, there was a gentleman who, there were, there were two guys, and, and, and one of them told me the story. He said, we were talking after service, and we we're like, hey, what are you doing? What are you? He goes, man, I'm going to go make a phone call. I'm going to go call my mom. Because I, I have wronged somebody. I need, because we talked about it. You got to go have a phone call. You got to go make a conversation. You got to go reach out to somebody. Because if you've ever wronged somebody, you need to repent. But if somebody has ever wronged you, you're going to have to walk that process of forgiveness out. And if you do that, I'm telling you, if you start living by this stuff we've been talking about, you're going to go back to mad love, right? Because when you repent, when you've done wrong and people forgive and you've got that thing, you've got mad love. That's how the world 
works. And so, but here's, here's the problem, because I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, Todd, I did repent, but it, it, it didn't go over well. Or I did forgive, but they kept being abusive. Or I did forgive, but they just turned around and hurt me again three weeks later. What do I do when, like, I'm doing everything on my part and they're still super funky? Because how many of you know, for there to be mad love, it takes two, right? I was, I was singing this morning. How many of y'all like some Marvin Gaye? Talking about it takes two, baby. Just me and you. And I was singing that, and my wife was like, what are you singing? I'm like, I'm singing? You don't know that? And she goes, no, I've never. I'm like, you've heard that song. She goes, I've never heard that song. And so I pulled it up for her and played it for her. And she goes, oh, well, psh, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard that song. I just didn't understand. <laughs> this is what she, no, 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 y'all didn't hear the best one. I didn't understand your version of the song. <laughs> so, then, the, so then I sang a song that I thought everybody knows. Y'all remember, y'all remember DJ Rob Bass? It takes two to make a thing go right. I sang that one. Everybody knows that song. It, it takes, my point is that it takes two people that both want to repent, that wa- both want to forgive, that both want to have empathy for one another, that both are healthy enough to say, if we both do these things, you can go back to having mad love. Isn't that right? But every once in a while, you come across somebody that it doesn't matter what you do or, or how far you go or what all the steps that you took, they are still weird. They are still funky. They are still dysfunctional. They may even be toxic. And so the question eventually that you're going to bump into as you're being graceful and merciful and kind and doing all this stuff, eventually you're going to run into this question, okay, Todd, I've done everything that you've asked me to do, but how long does it depend on me? Like, isn't that the question you eventually run into? Like, well, how long do I keep forgiving? How long do I keep helping? How long do I keep doing all of these steps? The, the more logical question, a way to word it would be this, is when does my continued extension of existence become irresponsible even? Because if you ever run into people that if you give them an inch, they take a mile. And if you give them a little bit of a crack door, they kick the thing open. And everything you do to try to be, man, I'm trying to be Christian up in here. I'm trying to do the Jesus thing. And you are doing the Satan thing to me. That's, that's the way you feel. Because eventually, they keep taking advantage of your forgiveness. They keep taking advantage of all of your mercy and all of your patience. Do you know what we call these people, right? The Bible has a word for these people. I would call them toxic people. I'd call them annoying people, um, life suckers. <laughs> but re- really, the Bible just has a common term. And I'm not trying to be mean. The, Bi- the Bible, this is in the Bible. It, it, the Bible would just call them a fool. You ever think about that? You ever go read what all the Bibles is? Because a fool is a person in essence. Foolish people are people who continually behave in ways that hurt themselves or hurt others. Doesn't that pretty much ring true? Like a foolish person, not you, this is other people. But a foolish, the foolish person, this is the toughest one. The foolish person never ever once takes ownership for what they've done. You ever notice that? The foolish never takes responsibility for their behavior, for their actions, for what they've done. You know what the worst, this is the worst, this is the one that drives me the crazy about foolish people, is that foolish people have the notion that they don't ever have to change to like, to conform to like society. That society should change to conform to them. Does that make sense? You ever run into somebody like that? That was like, no, everybody else needs to change. The whole family needs to change because I'm crazy. That's, 
and you're like, man, that dude is weird. He's a, he's a, he's a fool is what the Bible says. I'll give you a perfect illustration. Solomon, most people consider the wisest man who ever lived. He had this great Bible verse about foolish people. And he said this, he says a dog or as a dog returns to its vomit. Now this is weird. Solomon, every once in a while would straight up use some, some good old Animal Planet illustrations. And we've, we've seen this before, right? We've, we've talked about the animal illustrations of the Bible. But as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. Now, now this, this, this verse illustrates two major points. The first point that I want to make is this, is that for all you dog lovers out there that kiss your dog's face... And you let your dog lick your face, and you get because my buddy, my one of my dearest friends, he is a, he is a friend to animals. And he gets down there, he's like, "How are you doing, Lily? I love you so much." And and my son does this, and it grosses me out because in my mind, I think how Solomon thinks. I think that dog, if given the opportunity, will. And now you're putting your mouth. That's just, that, hey, that right there is a freebie. That's not even related to bad blood. That's just some biblical wisdom, okay? You think about that, dog people. But the, the, the bigger point that we really need to focus on is that a fool repeats their folly. And, th- and this is the point, is that ultimately foolish people are the people that keep doing the same bad behaviors that lead to destruction for them and everyone else around them. And then they just repeat this over and over and over again. But, and, and then you, re, you repent or you forgive or you try or you take steps or you've even been in counseling sessions before, but bless God, give it two months. And then all of a sudden we're right back to where we were before. And so the question then becomes, if I'm dealing with a foolish person who is just going to continue to hurt, continue to wound, continue to disappoint, continue to keep going that down the destructive path that hurts them and then has collateral damage. Isn't that really what a fool is? Collateral damage follows them. This is why the Bible says that uh, he who is friends with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools is destroyed. You ever thought about that? That literally when you hang out with wise people, you get smarter, but when you hang out with dumb people, you don't get dumber. You just reap the collateral damage of their ridiculousness. Are you hearing me today? And so is this relate? Is this anybody ever ran into one? Okay, good. If you haven't, I hope you never do. But, but just in case you do, at some point, what you're going to have to do when it comes to dealing with toxic people, dangerous people, or what we're just saying are foolish people, at some point in time, you are going to have to do something different other than just keep forgiving and keep helping and keep giving grace and keep giving mercy. Because at some point, it will be irresponsible. At some point, you are being hurtful to them so they continue being hurtful to other people. At some point, this is where I'm going, at some point in time, you're going to have to establish establish a boundary because hurtful people will keep doing if they're foolish if they're truly foolish they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again so i don't want you to live in a world where you think oh well the well the the christian thing to do sometimes the christian thing to do is to set a boundary and that's what we're going to see today. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll prove it to you. So this this guy paul that we've been listening to talk about how in essence um is that is that some guy limping in the back there that's that's Nate. Hey, Nate, how you doing, buddy? You just, you just totally distracted me real quick here. Nate, will you wave real quick? Everybody turn around. Hi, Nate. I've never done that before in my life, but I, I'm so distracted. This is like my, my best friend for the last 10, 15 years, and, and I haven't seen him in probably a year, and he just walked in the door. So I'm distracted. That was, that was, that was friendship ADD right there, my bad. Hey, uh, hey uh, you know what? 
air, air hug right there. Just, I love you. All right, let's, let's come back. So what were we saying? Boundaries. So, so at some point, you're going to have to establish a boundary because of their ridiculousness, because of their repeated negative and foolish and harmful and destructive behavior. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. So we've been talking about what he said about living at peace with everybody, but this is where he says something a little bit different in the book of Galatians. So Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2. Let's read this real quick here. The Bible says this. It says that carry each other's burdens. Everybody say burdens. He says carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, how many know that sounds like what we've been talking about? That sounds like kindness and love and patience and mercy and forgiveness and all those things. Because do you know what the law of Christ is? The law of Christ is very simple. It is love one another even as I have loved you. And that was it. Remember he got, he got up, and this is in the book of John. He says, this new command I give you. I just want you to love everybody. As a matter of fact, he said this. He said, everyone in the world will know that you are my disciple, not by how many you know, Bible verses you can quote and what your church attendance was, but the, the world will know that you are my disciple by how you love one another. He was asked, what's the greatest command? He said that you love God, but that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's the law of Christ. And so in fulfilling the law of Christ, he said, I want you to carry each other's burdens. Everybody say burdens one more time. So the word burdens is, is, is a Greek word where basically it was like this super heavy load. Does that make sense? It actually dealt with like an affliction. Something that was put on another person. And he said, when you're traveling through life and you know somebody that has had an affliction or a burden put on them, the best thing that you can do is you go grab them by the hand and you go help them carry that burden. And, and, and a burden would be something like, you know, if, again, if a catastrophe happened to them. If, if, if all of a sudden, like, they, they get the report from the doctor and it's stage three something and it has a name you never heard of and it's weird and it's got this far and it's bad and, it's, and they're saying this much surgery and this much chemo and this much time. Timeline and that, how many know that's a burden? And you go pray with them and you grab them by the hand and you do whatever that you can to help lighten that burden. You love people and you help people. Like sometimes when you get that sudden layoff and you didn't see it coming and all of a sudden they're out of work and t- things are as much as you can to the, to the greatest of your ability, you go help people. Like when, hey, when, when that spouse just walks out the door, just suddenly it just walks out the door, like that's a, that, they, they didn't bring that, that's just an affliction, a burden, something that happened to them. And he's saying in life, the best thing that you can do to fulfill the law of Christ is anybody, anytime you see somebody that's carrying a burden that's too heavy for them to carry, you go grab it and you go carry it with them. Like that, that's what we do. As a matter of fact, that's how the world was one, was through the kindness and the love of God operating through people. It's, it's just, you can't, you can't talk enough about this idea. But, but listen, he keeps on going now. The next verse, he says something different. And at first I thought, I thought this was one of those times where Paul was going to like throw out like a bunch of bullet points that didn't link together. And it took me a minute to figure out how they link together. But he says this next, he goes, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. And I thought, okay, what? And it dawned on me that he's talking about me, not the person with the burden. He's talking about me and my attitude and how I see other people. Because he's, he, what he's saying is this, is be careful when you look at other people with burdens because it's easy, especially if you become a Christian, you get super judgmental all of a sudden. I don't know where that comes from, but you get, ju- and you start looking at other people's burdens and you start thinking, well, that wouldn't happen to me. I would, have never, I would have never allowed it to get that far. And then all of a sudden you start looking at their kids and why they're so crazy. And you're like, well, that's because they're bad parents. And, and you don't even know. 
You just started making judgment calls. So he's saying, be careful that you don't start looking at everybody else's burdens and then elevating yourself above them so that you would, well, I would never go through. I would, I'm beyond that. I would never let that happen to me. Listen, you don't know. Be careful how you judge. Don't, don't all of a sudden elevate yourself because when you start thinking you're something more than what you really are, you're actually deceiving yourself. Next verse says this. He says, each one should test their own actions. Now, now notice this. They're all linked together. What he's saying is this. You... You are the only one that can do this. But every one of you as individuals should test and examine and look into what you're doing. Because you have responsibilities. You need to take ownership for something. Remember, it always takes two in a relationship. What are you needing to look at in your own life? Because nobody else can do this for you. You need to test what you're doing. Next, or the continue of the says this. It says, then they can take pride in themselves. This word pride is not like the evil pride of the Bible. This is like the good pride. When, when like you, you did really, really hard work, you studied really hard, you got the grade, you should be proud of yourself. That's this type of pride. He said, then you can take pride in yourself alone without comparing yourself to someone else. So he, he's saying like, remember like when you do what you're supposed to do. When you carry your responsibilities, when you do what is, is in, on your end of the stick to take care of, then you can be like, no, I did my job. I did my part. I carried others' burdens. I carried my own life. This is what I did. Then you can be proud of yourself. Now, this is where he flips it. And it gets strange right here. Are you ready? For each one should carry their own load. Now I almost feel like he changed it on me. Because then he was like, you need, to, you need to love each other and carry each other's burdens. But then he's like, but nah, you need to carry your own load. Well, which is it? Well, well, if we were Greek and we understood what he was saying, it would make a little more sense. There's two different words. I say load. This is a different word than burden. This isn't an affliction. This isn't anything. This is like, this is like your daily duty. <laughs> this is like your daily responsibility. This is what, this, imagine this. If you were to think about a burden, I want you to think about a boulder. I want you to think about a big, huge rock and in your backyard, and you know you got to move that rock and you know you're calling some neighbors to come help you, right? That's a burden. It's too big for you to carry. You're not supposed to go over there. You're going to throw your back out and you're going to drop it on your foot. Or when that, when that trash can's too big and you tip it and it falls on yourself and you need somebody to come and get the trash. Uh, anyway, there's times in life where things are too big for you to carry on your own. That's what you call your neighbors. But a load, this is like your backpack. Like you don't call your neighbor. But this is what, this is what toxic people do in life. This is what foolish people do in life. Because foolish people, they look at their backpack and they're like, you're supposed to carry that. You ever met any of somebody like this? They don't take any responsibility for their own actions. They keep repeating the same dangerous and harmful behaviors. And then when they, when they are supposed to receive the consequences of it, they expect you to take. It got quiet up in this Methodist church here, man. Y'all are, y'all are quiet today. But he's saying this. As a matter of fact, if we could, if we could slice the, picture, the, the scriptures together, he's saying this. Is that we as Christians should always carry each other's burdens. But we should carry our own Load in life. Meaning when somebody's going through something that they can't handle on their loan, you help them. But when they just won't handle their regular daily responsibilities, that's your job. You take care of that. So, so what is your load? What is, what is it that only you're responsible for? Because I want you to think about that. Like, like one of the things is this, like your feelings. Like I can't help you carry your feelings. You got to figure that out. Like you are responsible for your feelings. So if you're tripping, figure it out. 
I can't pick that up and carry you all the way through. I, I, I can't, I don't, I don't know how to, that's yours. You're, like your attitudes. Think about this. If you're a parent out there, you do this all the time. You try to teach your kid that they're in control of their own attitude, right? Because you can't just control their attitude. Like that's, that's your responsibility. Your own behaviors. This is, this is one that's yours. I don't, get to, I don't get to control your behaviors. I can't jump into your life and all of a sudden you're like, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start controlling your behaviors now because you can't do it on your own. But this is what foolish people do and toxic people do is they live a life where they're always demanding that you carry their load. In essence, because they refuse to do it for themselves. And when people keep, these are the type of people that keep asking for loans, <laughs> Keep asking for money. Keep wanting to live at your house when they don't, they don't belong to you. Does that make sense? Like, look, if you have to part the whiskers to put the bottle in their mouth, it's gone too far. Okay? At some point, people need to carry their own load. It, it, it's, almost, it's almost like this. If, if I have a yard, and all of a sudden, like, I'm watering my yard, and I'm mowing my lawn, and I'm taking care of what's, what's mine, and my neighbor... He don't water his lawn, and he don't mow his lawn, and now we got like weeds everywhere, and then weed seeds are blowing up into my, oh my God. Handle your business, because look, it's not my response, that's why there's a fence, there's a, there's a property line, there's a boundary that ought to be there, but see, here's what, here's what some of us do, is we become enablers, and what we do is we start helping everybody else take care of what they should be responsible for. And in the process of enabling them, we cripple them. So, so this is the point that Paul is getting at, is, is how do you move through life in such a way that you carry everyone's burdens that you possibly can, but you don't carry everybody's load? Now, now here's the deal. When it comes to these toxic people, sometimes it's really easy. Let me give you an example. It's really easy if you're broke to tell people no. Because you don't got it no way, right? But what's tough is that so many times you're in a situation where you can, you could, you have the means to, you have the resources to, and they keep asking. And you keep saying yes because you feel guilted. And I'm telling you what, the, the, the worst toxic people are usually great at manipulating. And so they'll say stuff like, well, I would do it for you if I could. Well, well if you really loved me. Well, isn't that the Christian thing to do? And you, you, they, they, I'm telling you, they're, they're great at this because all of a sudden you've, you've made them become responsible for their own load because ultimately you decided to establish a boundary somewhere. And so again, the, the question was, is like, when do you, you ever thought about this? When do you establish a boundary? The answer is simple. When someone refuses to carry their own load. That's what you do. When you have toxic people in your life that regularly want to hurt you, regularly want to abuse, regularly want to take advantage of, regularly want to manipulate, regularly want to do whatever, you fill in the blank with your toxic person. At some point, you're going to have to establish a boundary. And for some of you, it won't be easy because of the relational attachment. Because listen, usually the people that we have to establish boundaries with, they're people that we love. I'll prove it to you. If they weren't people that you love, you would have already cut them out of your life. Like if you didn't love them, you wouldn't have even let them get that far. They would have been so obnoxious, so annoying, you would have cut them off long ago. So who are the people that you actually need boundaries with most often? People that you love. And so it's the people that you love and then all of a sudden you feel like, but, I'm, I, but I've got to. I, you know, let, give you, let me give you five thoughts on boundaries real quick here and we'll begin to wrap this up. Five thoughts on boundaries. Number one is this, is unconditional love does not mean unlimited assistance. Unconditional love does not mean unlimited assistance. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you this, and it's so hard. 
Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is cut them off and let them receive the consequences of their actions. It's the most loving thing that you can do. Because as long as you don't, here's the problem, especially if you do it with, 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 with somebody who's younger. When you keep doing this when they're younger, the stakes are always low. And all of a sudden, you've created these habits and mentalities to where they never take responsibility for their actions, but then they get older and all of a sudden the stakes get higher. And when the stakes get high enough and they keep screwing up over and over and over again and they've never felt consequence and they've never felt responsibility, all of a sudden it hits too hard. And then they're in over their head. But it's because of stuff that you weren't doing a long time ago. And so listen, unconditional love doesn't mean unlimited assistance, unlimited access. You get whatever you want. Sometimes the most loving thing that you can... This is why the Bible says that God loves those he disciplines. Like his discipline is love. It's, It's not like discipline because I'm mad at you. It's discipline because I love you. And so remember that. Number two is this. A great word in the process of setting boundaries is no. Everybody say that. Everybody say no. Everybody say no. Everybody say no, thank you. No, no. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's no. And, and here's, here's what I remember. I remember counseling with a woman one time, and she had a, a family member that was a little bit uh, nuts. And, and she was saying, how do I do this? I'm like, what you have to do is, I said, because you're sweet. I don't run into these problems. You're kind. So when I say no, I just say no, and I stare at you. Because that's just, I'm cold-blooded. Anyway, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I genuinely love people, but I don't have the warmest personality. That's what my wife says. Um, but some of you are so sweet and so kind, you say no, but then you give an explanation. You're like, no, because, well, and then, and then you start, and, and, and this is what all foolish, dysfunctional, toxic people do. They want to argue with you, because then they want to debate with you every one of your reasons why you said no. And so what I'm telling you to do is don't give them a reason. You just say no. No thanks, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. And I'm not going to give you every explanation or excuse in the world because you don't deserve one. I don't owe you. Remember, that's a boundary. That's what you're responsible for. This is what I'm responsible for. And since I'm not responsible for that, the answer is just no. Just simply because it's no is the best way that I can do it. And so so remember that. Like when you set a boundary, it's just no sometimes. Number three is this, is sometimes the best love is, is from a distance. Can I get an amen about that? Yes, sometimes restraining orders are necessary. It is not unloving or unchristian to get a restraining order. Sometimes I'm perfectly fine with that. Love people from a distance. Forgive people from a distance. Behind, uh, 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 behind bars, behind <laughs> where there's a phone. That's fine. Love them from a distance if necessary. Because in establishing boundaries, you're literally sometimes creating physical space. Because some people are so abusive and so harmful and hurtful, either physically or verbally or whatever it is, you have to create actual, literal space. And there's nothing wrong with that. Number four is this, is choosing not to give in does not mean giving up. Parents, you need to know that about your kids. Choosing not to give in does not mean giving up. This is hope for every one of you parents. I'm telling you, sometimes the best thing that you can do is establish a boundary. And it's going to hurt in the short term, but it will pay off better for them and you in the long term. And this does not mean you're quitting on them. This does not mean you're giving up hope. You are going to pray like you have never prayed before. You are going to keep believing like you have never believed before, but you will still establish a boundary. Five, last one is this, is setting a boundary is sometimes the most loving thing that you can do. We already established that. It's the best thing that you can do sometimes because it's what helps them figure out how to carry their own backpack. 
This is how people grow up in life. But I'm telling you what, when you run into people who are habitual, who are addicted, who have major issues, and they refuse to take responsibility, and they refuse to own up to it, and they refuse to grow up in their area of life, I'm telling you, at some point you have to establish a boundary, not because you're wanting to be mean or cruel, but actually because you love them. Paul said this. He said, listen, in life, every time somebody's going through a burden in life, you carry their burden. But when it comes to people that just refuse to carry their own load, I'll give you a perfect scripture that backs this up. Paul said, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now, that doesn't sound nice, but that's what Paul said. So Paul was like, look, I want to give food to everybody, but at some point, Get a J-O-B. Work. Do, now, now, unless you have an inability to, and I know that there's certain cases and instances where that's true, but if you have any ability and any means to, a man should work, a woman should work, people should take response. You should pick up your backpack. And if not, if you continue to refuse to do what you're responsible for, at some point I just need to establish a boundary, not because I'm mad at you, but actually because I love you. It's the best thing that I can possibly do. Let, let, let me close here. The whole point of this relationship series is because of this reason. I know that you are happiest when you are in relationship with God and that when you are in great relationship with other people. Isn't that where you're happiest? Your happiest places are not coming when you have the most stuff. I promise it's not true. Happiness doesn't come from stuff. Happiness actually comes from a good relationship with God followed by really good relationships with people. And this whole series has been about you connecting with other people and getting along with other people and making peace with other people because we've established this. I, 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 not only do I want you to have great relationships, I just want you to be at peace. So when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you're not wrestling. You're not stirred up. You're not stressed out. You're not anxious. You're not having imaginary conversations and bad dreams. You're at peace. And the reason why you're at peace is because as far as it depended upon you, you did everything that you could, and you went as far as you possibly could to live at peace. And then, if, if, even if they're funky, even if they're toxic, even if they're foolish, even if they're to that extreme level over there, you can still go to sleep easy at night because you're at peace about the relationship, even if there's not peace in the relationship. That's where we want you to go. And we said this at the end of last week, but I don't think everybody caught it. I wanted to make a big deal about this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. You will not passively find what you do not passionately pursue. That's true of anything in life. And when it comes to peace and when it comes to peace in relationships and when it comes to reconciliation, when it comes to repenting or forgiveness, you will not accidentally fall into this stuff. Are y'all taking notes by just screenshotting? Are y'all, is that how? Man, that's like, why didn't I even think about that? You don't even have to write stuff down anymore. You can just go click and then you can just go through your phone later. Bobby, that's brilliant. All right. He just, he just blew my mind with new note-taking ideas. All right. The point is that I want you to have peace in these relationships, but you won't just stumble into them. You're not accidentally going to get good at setting boundaries. As a matter of fact, for those of you who today who, who need to establish boundaries, here's the first thing I want you to do. There's a book. You know what it's called? It's called Boundaries. Yeah, yeah, this is the book on boundaries. It's written by two Christian men. It is fantastic. And I'm telling you, you need to go get that book. It's the first thing you need to do. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you're going to start to establish boundaries, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. You're, not, you're going to have to like figure this thing out. It's going to hurt in the short term. They're going to be confused. They're going to be like, what? You've always been paying my bills. You know, they're 40 and they live in your basement and you pay their phone bill. But I'm telling you, what, like, at some point, some people may need to 
go on in life. And, that, and that's, that's going to be hard in the short term, but it's going to be the best in the long term. And I'm just telling you that at some point, you're going to need help beyond yourself. You may need to go set a counseling appointment. You need to go read that book on boundaries. It's going to be difficult. When it goes to you repenting, it's not going to be easy. Who likes calling up people like, hey, I was completely wrong and I need to repent to you? That can come hard to some of us, especially if you wrestle with pride in your heart. Man, it's hard to admit when you're wrong for some of you. And I'm telling you, it's the best step that you can ever take. Hey, forgiving people who have deeply wounded you, nobody wakes up and was like, you know what? I just feel like I'm in a forgiving mood. I'm going to give it out today. No, we, we don't typically, I'm telling you that you will not stumble into your repentance. You're not going to stumble into these boundaries. You're not going to stumble into forgiving. Hey, taking the long walk of empathy, that takes work because sometimes I don't want to empathize with them. Sometimes I just want to be angry. But when you take that long walk of empathy, I'm telling you, you're going to have to pursue these things. You will not fall into them accidentally. But here's what I know is that God cares about your relationships. God cares about how well you're getting along with the people around you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, your neighbor, your coworkers. God cares about that because you were made for these dynamic relationships. So in light of what we talked about today and everything we've been talking about over the course of this series, I want you to listen as I read Romans chapter 12. And I just want you to listen. Verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, but actually fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. We're patient in tribulation. We're going to continue steadfast in prayer. Even distributing to the needs of the saints. And we're going to be good at hospitality. I want you to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Be of the same mind towards one another. Don't don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what I want you to do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. He's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on their head. Do not overcome by evil, but actually overcome evil with good. Let's pray this morning. God, I pray that, God, over the last few weeks we've been diving in and that somehow you have equipped us, God, to become better at relationships, to become better um, at loving the people around us, to become better at empathy, to God, to recognize so immediately when we've got a wound and a hurt and we're bitter or mad at somebody that we don't wait months and months and months and harbor that bitterness, but God, we go right ahead and right straight into the process of forgiveness. God, help us to get good at extending forgiveness and mercy to people. God, help us to get really, really good at recognizing when we've hurt other people, if we ever say something that hurts or neglects something and it hurts somebody's feelings. God, help us to be quick to go and repent. Help us to be so mindful maybe of what we've done and be quick to repent about it. And God, if need be, God, help us to be kind in our boundaries. Help us to be able to say no and to have the strength and the courage of conviction to say no when we need to say no. Because we need to help carry each other's burdens, but we, we, I don't need to carry everybody else's load. God, help me to be great at moving relationships from bad blood to mad love. 
God, that is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.